I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verse 45. And I want to continue my series entitled Famous Last Words. And in Matthew chapter 27, it says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabatni, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. God, in the name of Jesus, make this message powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Jesus is in his Passion Week. And Jesus first celebrates the Passover with his disciples and then He goes in the garden of Gethsemane and he cries out to his father, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Then he declares, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And then Judas, one of his best friends, betrays him. They take Jesus in front of Caiaphas, the high priest, and they begin to question Jesus, but he does not open his mouth. He responds a few times when he's asked questions, but he holds his tongue and he does not really say much. And now they turn him over to the Romans and the Romans mock him and they beat him. They spit on him. They ridicule him. And then they take him and they hang him on a cross between two thieves. And while Jesus is hanging on a cross, he makes seven statements that will change your life if you embrace it and understand it. The first statement Jesus makes is, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. The second statement Jesus makes is to one individual, a repentant criminal, when he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Then he looks at his mother and he says to his mother, mother, this is your son. And he turns to his disciple whom he loved, who was standing at the foot of the cross. And he says to John, this is your mother. And from that time forward, John takes Jesus' mother to be in his own home. And now Jesus is about to say another statement That if you could truly understand the power of this statement, I believe it will revolutionize, transform your entire life. Now the situation is that it becomes dark. It's 12 o'clock in the afternoon, noontime. And something happens where it becomes very dark. For three hours, God turns off the lights. It's been said That when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a light shined in midnight. When Jesus died on the cross, there was darkness in the middle of the day. It was three hours that changed the world. 
It was three hours that changed everything. And while Jesus is hanging on the cross and his body is slowly fading as he tries to pull himself up just to get a little bit more air into his lungs. And at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jesus cries out with a loud cry, Eli, Eli, lama sabatni, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And up to this moment, even though Jesus suffers an incredible pain, even though they beat him and they mocked him and they nailed him to the cross and his body is convulsing with pain. The Bible says that Jesus did not open his mouth in fulfillment of Isaiah 53 where the Bible says like a sheep that was led to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth but something happened that was far more agonizing than taking a beating on the cross. Something happened that was far more traumatic than the hours that he endured on the cross physically and now Jesus is about to enter into the very heart of his passion. Jesus is about to enter into the darkest moments on the cross and for the first time while the Son of God is hanging on the cross, he cries in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is determined to take all the physical pain of the cross. He's determined to take all of the beating. He's determined to take all the rejection and the mockering and all the torture that his body could endure in silence. But there is one thing that Jesus had never felt before. There is one thing that Jesus had never, ever experienced before in eternity. There is one thing that is altogether completely unexperienced by Jesus in his life and beyond. And that was the rejection that he felt from his father. It was the abandonment. It was the separation from being part of the Trinity, being one with God. No, he never lost his divinity. Yet Jesus had never been separated. He had never felt the displeasure of his Father. He had never felt the wrath of God Almighty. He had never experienced this before in his entire destined life. Jesus had never experienced the mental, emotional, and psychological trauma of being separated from his father in heaven. And now he's hanging on the cross and he feels the incredible pain of the consequences of becoming the atonal sacrifice for the entire world. And his heart bursts with a loud cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus is not concerned that Judas betrays him. Jesus is not concerned that Peter rejected him. Jesus is not concerned that the world rejected him. One concern and only one concern is on the heart of Jesus. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In fact, all through scripture, there's one thing that you can see that men and women of God always had this assurance and comfort that no matter what they went through in their life, they would always be with God. That God would always go with them. David said, though I should walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. God promised Joshua, Joshua, when you go into the promised land, do not be afraid. Why? Because everywhere you go, I will go with you. Moses said, God, if you don't go with me, I don't want to go. And God assured Moses 
that he would go with him everywhere he went. All through the scriptures, there's one thing that we understand. The presence of God in our life is the most precious thing that we could ever cling to. Somebody say amen. Jesus is not concerned about others at this moment in the sense that he loves the world, but he's not concerned about them rejecting him. He's concerned about God rejecting him. He feels the brunt of it. Up to that point, Jesus felt the physical pain. He felt the suffering, the scheming, the insults, the mockery, the beaten, the nailing to the cross. And Jesus must endure all of that at the hands of man. But now God shuts out the light and something entirely different begins. Jesus now enters into the heart of his passion. And now for three hours of utter darkness, Jesus enters into the heart of his atonal work uh, to be a sin bearer. Last week I said, that Jesus did not die on the cross to make our life better. He died on the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sins. He died on our cross so that we could be saved from the wrath of God. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible tells us that Jesus came so that we might have abundant life. And the Bible tells us because we are now heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that our Abba Father loves us with an everlasting love and that all things in our life work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And I believe because God loves us so much, he wants to bless us and he wants to open up the window of heaven and pour us out a blessing that we cannot understand. But make no mistake, friend, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was dying on the cross for my sins for your sins because God is a holy and righteous God and he justified the righteousness and justice of God that's why Jesus went to the cross listen to me all my life as I began to study about this this week I fell to my knees and I said God forgive me that I never saw this before for all my life I looked at the physical pain. I thought as I focused on his physical suffering that Jesus endured. And the truth is when you watch the passion of the Christ, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really accept all of the movies that Mel Gibson makes, but man, the passion of the Christ, it had to be an R-rated movie. You know why? Because he had to show us the physical suffering of Jesus. And if you've never seen it before, you can get a better appreciation for the suffering of Jesus. It had to be grotesque. It had to be bloody. It had to be violent, very violent. But all my life I've been looking at and focusing on the physical suffering of Jesus without recognizing that there was something so much more deeper than even the physical suffering of Jesus. You see, you can see physical suffering. You can see it. You can see it with your eyes and you can even relate to it as you're watching Jesus hanging on the cross. As you're watching them reject Jesus, you think to yourself, how would I deal with the physical pain that Jesus went through? You can see physical suffering and pain. But you cannot see the spiritual, emotional, physical, and psychological suffering and agony that Jesus endured as a result of becoming a curse on the cross for you and I. 
And that's what I want to focus on for a few moments today. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to make it real in your heart. He's going to bring you deeper into the sufferings of Christ so you can understand and appreciate what Christ really did for you. As the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So now Jesus enters into the atonal and eternal atoning work of being a sin bearer for you and I. Now Jesus must endure the suffering, not at the hands of men, but now for three hours Jesus has to endure the suffering of the wrath of God in the hands of a heavenly, just, righteous, holy God. Wow. For the first time in all of eternity, Jesus must feel the brunt of a holy God. He must experience the justice and judgment of a righteous God. He must experience everything. He must experience everything. Everything you and I would have to experience at the hands of a holy and righteous God as a result of our sins. In fact, he must experience a turning away of God from him. He must experience being separated from God for the first time. He must experience God's holy, righteous wrath. All of it, not some of it, but all of it upon himself. And this, my friend, is the power of the cross that we must ask God to help us to go even deeper into. This is the power of the atonement of Christ that we must ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand more and more in our life. So in these three dark hours, Jesus did three things for us. Now, I understand that you've heard this before. And maybe you understand, maybe you don't understand. Wherever you are today, maybe you're hearing it for the very first time. Maybe you're in the Middle East and you were taught that Jesus was a good man, but he was not the Messiah. But I'm praying today for you that are in the Middle East that you will understand that you have a, a heavenly Father who loves you with a, a heavenly love. And he loves you with an eternal love. And there's no way in the world that you could make up for your sin. And so the, the Father who loves you so much sent his Son, the Messiah, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. And I know you already know this, but I want it to go deep into your soul. As 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, he personally, everybody say personally, he personally carried our sins on his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. The Amplified Bible says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, willingly offering himself on it as on an altar of sacrifice so that we might die to sin, becoming immune from the penalty and the power of sin and live for righteousness. For by his wounds, you who believe have been healed. Second Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 21 in the Amplified Bible, he made Christ who knew no sin to judicially 
be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to God and placed on a right relationship with him by his gracious loving kindness. I love Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. Hundreds of years before Christ ever came, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that one man would come and he would bear the sins of the world. And the Bible says in verse 5, but he was wounded and he was bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace he was lashed that we might be healed Jesus died in our place can you understand that Jesus died for your sins number two as a result of bearing our sins on the cross listen to me listen closely to me Jesus is also bearing all the punishment for our sins. At that moment, he stands before a holy God. He is still holy. He is still righteous. He is still God the Son and the Son of God. And yet, as a man, he becomes a murderer for you and I. He becomes a rapist, as a a liar, a thief. He doesn't become those things in the sense that he doesn't really actually become those things, but in the sight of God, he takes on all of that for you and I, so that when God looks down at him, he sees a murderer. When God looks down at him, he sees a gossiper. When God looks down at him, he sees a blasphemer. He sees a scoundrel. He sees a swindler. He sees a sex addict. He sees an abuser. He sees a a molester a serial killer, a coward, a hypocrite. He stands before God as a mediator. But even beyond that, he stands before God as a punishment bearer for your sin so that when God sees him, he is an obscene scene before the Father. And the Father cannot look at Jesus because the Bible says he cannot look at sin. And at that very moment, I want you to know that Jesus took upon himself all the sins of mankind the grotesque obscene sins can you think for a moment as you close your eyes of the most obscene scene that you could ever imagine Jesus died for that obscene scene to the father he becomes absolutely obscene he becomes a triple x and beyond rated movie and God must turn away from what Jesus looks like Jesus did something that no one ever wants to do. He is standing where none has before ever or since endured at one tiny point in space. And in one tiny moment of time, all that sin deserved, the curse is unmitigated concentration. Listen to me. I know you know this, but let it sink deep into your soul. It will make you love God so much more. It'll make you appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus so much more. Let it sink deep into your soul. It would allow you to live for him with much more passion in your life. It'll give you a renewed passion in worship. 
so that the next time we begin to sing a song about the blood of Jesus, about the sacrifice of Jesus, I know some of you are not so emotional, and I know you say, Pastor Steve, you can cry when you see a good car commercial, but friend, I want to tell you today, when you get a glimpse of what Jesus did on the cross, you will live a life of passion, hallelujah, you will live a life of worship, you will live a life to say, you want to scream it from the mountaintop to say, Jesus saves, Jesus redeems, Jesus heals. My Jesus took all of that upon himself so that I might be saved. Hallelujah. Oh, you'll be passionate in sharing your faith because he was pierced for our transgressions, Isaiah says. He was crushed for our iniquity and the punishment. Everybody say punishment. That brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. Everybody say punished. And the punishment, everybody say punish. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. When we think of punishment, we think of the cross. But no, friend, the cross was man's punishment. Being separated from God for even three hours. God looking down at his son and seeing an obscene scene. Jesus taking upon himself the sins of mankind. That was God's punishment brought upon Christ so that you might be forgiven of your sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The cross was man's punishment. Being sin, looking down upon Christ, turning away from Christ was God's punishment for Christ taking our sins upon himself. Jesus had to endure God's punishment. And God's punishment is always separation from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says they were put out of the garden because they had to be separated from God. Now, lest you feel like God is a wrathful, vengeful God, he's not. He's a loving God. But in order for God to be a just God, in order for God to be a loving God, in order for God to treat everyone the same, we must obey God. And when we disobey God, we sin against the holy, thrice holy God. Now you as a parent, if you told your child not to do something, but they kept on doing it, you'd have to intervene. You would have to bring discipline. You'd have to bring punishment to them so that they would turn from their bad ways so that they can be healed and friend I want you to know that because God loves you so much and because God is a just God he gave us the law and the Lord said the law says that we should not do these things but the law was powerless it could not save us the law was just our schoolmaster and it would lead us to the point where we would recognize I can't do this God I can't obey you by myself God God I need somebody to rescue me from myself as Paul the apostle says in Romans 
Romans chapter 7, who will rescue me from this body of sin? I know I need to do these right things, but I keep on doing the wrong thing. Thanks be to God that I find my redemption. Thanks be to God that I find my salvation. Thanks be to God that Jesus came down from heaven and rescued me when he died on the cross because he bore the punishment that was upon me, upon himself, so that I could be reconciled to God. Somebody say hallelujah. Separation from God is punishment for our sin. When we sin, we become an enemy of God. Colossians 1.21 says you were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Friend, let me tell you, the consequences of sin is eternal hell. And Jesus took on himself what we deserved. Jesus endured hell on the cross for three hours for us because of the punishment that was supposed to be ours. He took it upon himself. So he endured hell on the cross. Jesus endured all that hell is during those three hours of darkness. Think of the utter darkness of hell. Think of what those who are not in covenant relationship with God will endure in hell. Jesus said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, utter darkness, all alone in hell. The absence of light is utter darkness. Make no mistake, my friend. The Bible tells us a lot about hell. The Bible tells us that hell is a place of utter darkness. It is a place of eternal suffering. It is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is a place where God's full wrath is eternally poured out upon those who reject Jesus as their eternal sacrifice. It's a place of misery. It's a place of suffering, of bitter anguish, a place of utter loneliness. Now, I know that there are some people that said, hey, if I go to hell, I'll go to hell and I'll meet all my friends in hell and we'll have a party in hell. Friend, you're not going to be partying in hell. You're going to be cast into utter darkness and loneliness. You will be all by yourself and you will cry out throughout all eternity. Why did I listen to that preacher who screams a little too much and talks a little too long? Why did I listen to that preacher who begged me to come into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to the Father but through me. Friend, I'm telling you today that Jesus is reaching out to you today. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants you to be in a covenant relationship. God doesn't send you to hell. God sent his son into the world so that you don't have to go to hell so that you could spend eternity with Christ. Make no mistake in this place today. Hell is a place of suffering. Worse than all of that is you will have to suffer that all by yourself. Alone in the dark. And for the first time in all of eternity, Jesus who is the light of the world. John chapter 1 tells us the light came into the world. And for the first time, Jesus must experience the darkness that is cast upon his soul. The darkness of every sin. 
the darkness of every evil act, the darkness of feeling the intensity of impurity. Now, Jesus never sinned, and yet for those three hours, he became sin for the sinner. As one Bible expositor put it, the innocence was punished, or the innocent was punished voluntarily, as if guilty, that the guilty might be graciously rewarded with innocence. The Bible says he made Christ who knew no sin to be judicially, to become sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. And as a result of Jesus bearing our sin on the cross and the punishment of God's wrath upon the cross, listen to me, Jesus suffers loneliness so you and I would never be alone again. Jesus suffers loneliness. He's all alone on the cross. So you and I would never have to suffer loneliness again. And now when he cries out, God closes his ears. When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, the crowd has not stopped jeering. The demons have not stopped cheering, and the pain has not abated. Instead, every circumstance bespoke the anger of God, and there was no countering voice. This time, there's no word from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased in. This time, there are no angels to come and rescue Jesus from the cross. This time, there's no voice of the Holy Spirit saying, Jesus, I know you're suffering. No angel came to strengthen him. No angel came, not even a redeemed sinner bowed to thank him. Utter loneliness. Listen to me. Loneliness hits all of us at one time or another. In fact, we can be in a room filled with people and still feel so alone. Loneliness hits all of us. When you're facing sickness, loneliness tries to choke out our faith. Oh, you can be in the doctor's office. And your wife or your husband can be right by your side. Your mom and your dad, they can be holding your hand. But when that doctor walks into that room and tells you that you've got a terminal illness, that you're going to die in six months, man, loneliness invades your heart. And even though people are all around you telling you that it's going to be okay, you still feel the pain and the loneliness of having to walk that road all by yourself. When we face a divorce, loneliness tries our trust in relationships and tries to isolate us from the hope that we'll ever have a relationship again. Man, that people can be all around you to try to comfort you, but when your husband walks into that room or your wife walks into that room and tells you, I've got something I want to tell you. I don't love you any longer. And they push away from you and they embrace another. That loneliness can strike at the very heart of, of your pain in your life. And you're going through it all. You feel like you're going through it all by yourself when financial debt overwhelms you and you feel like there's no one that can get you out of that debt. You feel all alone. Loneliness 
robbed your peace and you are all by yourself. Jesus feels the loneliness that you feel every day. Why? Because when he was on the cross for the very first time, he had never been separated from his father one time. In fact, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I and the father are one. When Jesus cries out and says, Father, make my disciples one as we are one. He enjoyed such incredible unity with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But at that very moment for three hours, he's now separated from his Father. And he feels the loneliness of not knowing, not feeling, not understanding why. You might say, but he was God. He understood all things. Sometimes the loneliness can grip your soul that you just have to cry out, why, my God, have you forsaken me? Jesus was God, fully God, but fully man. And in his manhood, in his humanness, he cries out to God, God, I feel so alone. Now listen to me. Not even his father would give him what he had through all of eternity. There was never a time when he was separated from his father but now for three hours Jesus is forsaken by everyone even God God now must abandon Jesus on the cross God must now turn away from his son God must treat him who knows no sin as a criminal against the high court of heaven and Jesus must bear the weight of sin all by himself And at that moment, Jesus cries in a loud voice, Father, why have you forsaken me? Some theologians would say that Jesus was simply singing the 22nd Psalms of David, although he was fully confident that God would never abandon him. Psalms 22 says, why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out to you, Day after day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Other theologians would say the pain of being separated from his father was just too much to bear. And at that moment in his humanness, he cries in despair and absolute desperation. But whatever the reason, he was rejected for that moment. So you and I would be accepted throughout all of eternity. Now nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. As Paul the Apostle declares, no matter what you're facing today, no matter the pain, no matter the suffering, you can know this one thing, that Jesus will be by your side, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because when you entered into an eternal covenant with your Father, God made a promise to you that nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul the Apostle said in Romans chapter 8, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. 
Who then is the one who condemns no one? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's praying for you right now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered like sheep to the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the things present, nor the things in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else will in creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. Wow. Paul tells us because of what Jesus did on the cross, he was separated from God so you could be forever reconciled to God. My friend, I know that there are some times in your life where you feel all alone. Maybe today in this room right here, maybe those that are watching via live stream or those that are in the cafe, you're walking through a, a deep, dark valley. Some of you are walking through the fiery furnace of affliction. Some of you are walking through a painful, painful situation. And the truth is your pain runs so deep. And even though you know that there are people who love you, you still feel all alone as you walk through this dark valley. Listen to me. God makes a promise to you today that nothing, 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 everybody say nothing will be able to separate you from his presence because you're in Christ Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 31, 8 said, it is the Lord who goes before you and he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid or be dismayed. Isaiah 43 says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, and formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you and I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, hallelujah, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, since you are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, do not be afraid because I am with you. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a clap offering today. Say, thank you, Jesus. Because Jesus was rejected, I am accepted. Because Jesus was abandoned, I will never be forsaken. Jesus understands the wise of your life that sometimes run deeper than the reality of truth. Number one, Jesus hung on the cross all by himself, all alone, so that he could say to you today, I am your high priest that feels the pain of loneliness. I understand. Aren't you glad you have a Savior that understands? But secondly, Jesus, he understands your whys. W-H-Y. Jesus understands the whys of your life that sometimes run deeper 
than the reality of truth. Listen to me. In every one of our lives, there will be a time in all of our lives when we will ask, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, why? My God, why did my brother have to leave us at such an early age? My God, why did my daddy have to die when I was four years old? My God, why did I have to go through some of the things that I went through in my life? My God, why do little children have to suffer? My God, why did that person that I love so dearly, why did that person have to leave this earth and leave me alone? My God, I don't understand your ways. Why? Because sometimes God in our own mind doesn't make any sense. Why? Because his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And there will be times in all of our life where we cannot understand the ways of God. We can't understand why God allows us to go through dark valleys. We we can't understand why God allows us to have to climb top, on top of deep, deep situations in our life and climb the highest mountain in our life. We don't understand why God does certain things. Why? Because we're not God. And that's when he says, trust in me with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Why? Because sometimes you're just not going to understand the whys of life and you're going to want to cry out to God in your humanness. You're going to say, God, God, my God, why? And Jesus says, I understand your why. Jesus, being God the Son, he had a why. And like Jesus, you will still cry out to your heavenly Father and just say, why? And Jesus says to you today, I understand your why. I don't judge you for your why. Other people will come and say, don't ever question God. How dare you question God? But Jesus says, I'm your high priest, and I understand your why. He says to Job, I understand your why. He says to the three Hebrew boys, I understand your why. And today he says to you, he says to me, I understand your why. I understand your pain, and I understand your weakness. Jesus, the Bible says, had to experience the why in his life so that you can know that you have a high priest who understands everything that you go through in your life. Not just physical temptation, not just physical suffering, but he had to be tempted in all ways like you were tempted. He had to say to his father, but father, why at this moment? He had a why moment in his life. And that's what makes Jesus so wonderful. He knows the pain that runs deeper than the answers. My brother died one year ago. April will be his one year anniversary in heaven. And my precious mother, no one understands the pain of loss like a mother. No one. And I remember one day I was talking to my mom and my mom said, but but Stephen, the pain is so deep. She said, I miss Frankie so much. And I remember looking at my mom as a pastor's son, and I started giving her scriptures. But mom, don't worry. He's out of his suffering. He's in heaven. We, all, we always want to give an answer, don't we? 
But don't worry, Mom. The Bible tells us that we're going to see Frankie again. And I remember my mom told me. She said, Stephen, I don't need a preacher right now. And if somebody else tells me, gives me a biblical answer, I'm going to run. All I need is someone to understand what I'm going through. And I'm here to tell you that I might not understand. And you might not understand what I go through. But thank God that we've got a God in heaven who loves us with an everlasting love. That came down from his throne room of heaven. And he died on the cross. And he understands your why in your life. That's what makes Jesus so wonderful. Hallelujah. That's why God said to us that there are going to be times when we simply have to trust. Isaiah 53, surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. No one could understand the why. Listen to me. In the darkest night of his soul, Jesus is carrying your whys on the cross. He's carrying your grief and your pain and your heartache on the cross, and today, right now, you can come to Jesus. You can come to the foot of the cross with your why. Like I had to do one year ago when I drove to that funeral parlor and seen my brother in the casket, 55 years old. I had to take my why and take it to the foot of the cross and recognize Jesus understands your why. And that's just good enough for me. Hallelujah. That's what makes Jesus so wonderful. Jesus felt the pain of utter loneliness. He had never been alone before, but now he's alone and he felt the pain of the why. But I love, I love the last thing that Jesus does for us. Jesus, while he dies on the cross... And for that moment in time, he's separated from a loving God. He's separated from love. He does that because he absolutely is crazy in love with you and I. Take a look at this.
Let us pray. This is the power of Christ's love that our sin-stained hearts might try to fully comprehend more and more until Jesus said there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We truly can worship God with absolute abandonment when we understand the depth of God's love in our life. When we understand the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died for all our sins and that Jesus took upon himself the punishment from God. Jesus was abandoned and separated from God, his Father, for the first time so that we might have eternal reconciliation and peace with God. Paul said it this way, I pray that you being rooted and grounded in God's love may have power together with all of the saints who were once sinners to comprehend the length and the width and the height and the depth of his love and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. God the Father who loves his Son. For God so loved the world. And Jesus is now hanging on the cross. And God the Father must turn away from his Son. And he did that all for you and I. So that you might have peace with God. You say, Pastor Steve, while I'm sitting in the cafe or while I'm watching this via live stream, maybe you're watching it via live stream today because you're so filled with depression, you're so discouraged that you couldn't even get yourself to come to church today. Or maybe you're in the balcony on the first floor. And you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to accept the free gift of eternal life. I now understand why Jesus had to suffer. I understand how much God loves me today. And I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I'm not certain if I die today. And I need Jesus to forgive me. I want you to raise your hand right now in this place. All across this place today. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right now. God bless you. God bless you. Others that are here today, you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want Jesus to be the Savior of my life. Just raise your hand quickly right now. Say, yes, Pastor. Maybe those that are in the cafe... You, want, you need to raise your hand right after the service. There's going to be a pastor down in the cafe. Maybe you're watching via live stream today. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I die today. I want you to know that you can send us an email. We'll send you out some information. Whether you're live, you live right around the block or whether you live in the Middle East, we want to send you a packet of information so that you might see and understand the love of God in your life.
Now, I don't know about you, but this week has been a powerfully emotional week for me as I studied this passage. It gripped my heart. And it made me say, Jesus, I want to love you more today than I've ever loved you before. Jesus, I want to be on a journey of faith and I want to be on a mission of telling everyone I know that Jesus loves them. This I know because this is what the Bible has told me so. I want to live with greater passion. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just, after coming close to the cross for the last three weeks, I want to live with greater passion. I want to worship God with greater intensity. I want to live for God with greater purpose. And I want to shout it from the rooftop, Jesus saved. If that's you today, I want you to stand to your feet and raise your hand and help us worship together as we sing. There's power in the precious name of Jesus. Just stand to your feet. Say, yes, Lord, I want to live with passion today. I want my life to count, Jesus. Lord, I, I'm, I'm turning away from anything else, and I'm clinging to the cross today, and I'm thanking you for what you've done in my life, God.